Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Chislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in Susa, the capital, one of my brothers, Hanani, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that survived those who had escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, The survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dee. Good morning. Okay, well, like Bruce said, we're wrapping up this little July series uh, where faith meets Disney. I hope you've had a fun time. I think Bruce and I have enjoyed it very much. We had a great dive-in movie out at the country club country club. So uh, we thank the Callaways for their generosity and letting us do that. Uh, We're hoping to do something like that again. So uh, if you weren't able to attend this last little party we had, hopefully you can do one that's coming up in the future. Uh, But before we begin this morning and talk about Mulan and, and, and the book of Nehemiah, I want you to turn to someone next to you and share with each other what you think the qualities of a good leader are. Okay? And I will ask for your feedback. So be prepared to tell me what you say. Okay? Go. Go. Okay, I'm going to cut you off now. Bruce will go on forever, so I cannot judge this by how long he's taking. He and my husband, y'all just have your own little small group over there. But what, what were some of the things that you heard from each other? What are the qualities that make a good leader? Yell them out so I can hear you. Maturity. Courage. Did you say the same thing, Tyler? Courage. Okay, what else? Integrity. What? Not afraid to take ownership. I like that, Claire. What else? Communication. Patience. Dedication. Purpose. Discipline. Openness to new ideas. Listening. Great job, guys. Great job. Well, the character Mulan 
had a lot of these qualities, didn't she? She had the qualities of a strong leader, passion, calling, fearlessness, determination, discipline, commitment, strength, courage, love, a sacrificial spirit um, with one glaringly obvious exception in the eyes of her culture and her family. What was it? She was a woman. She was a woman that canceled out all of her leadership capacity in their eyes because she was a woman. But here is what makes her story so intriguing, that regardless of what everyone around her said, Mulan's love for her father's well-being, not wanting him to see another battle, um, and her desire to serve her country led her to make the self-sacrificial decision to enter the army anyway. She was not content to be less than who she knew she was. She was not content to sit back and wait for other people to act. She saw the need. She knew she was called to act. She knew she was gifted to act. And the love she had for her father and the love she had for her country drove her to act. Mulan became the unlikely hero that her country needed as she lived into everything she was and acted in sacrificial love for the people around her. And while the story of Mulan is great, it is a great story, it's fictional. But as we've said throughout this entire series, a lot of the stories we write today and tell today, um, the heart of those stories are based in truth. They're based in true stories. And there are numerous accounts in Scripture of people who had these same qualities, these same characteristics of a leader um, who God used to make an impact for his people, and for his kingdom's purposes. One such person is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man who had all of these leadership qualities, all of these characteristics, plus he had a heart after God, a heart for loving God, for serving God, for honoring God in everything that he did. And while at first glance, Nehemiah may not seem like the likely person to lead God's people the way he did, he proved to be the person that God's people needed to lead them through a very difficult time and help them find healing from their painful past. He became the unlikely hero, so to speak, for God's people. Now, Nehemiah's story is found in the Old Testament in the book bearing his name, which is Nehemiah. You guys are sharp. Um, By the way, do you know what Nehemiah's name means? It means Yahweh comforts. So let's see how God used Nehemiah to bring comfort to his people. Uh, First, let's get just a bit of history so that we can better understand our context. After the time of King David, you've heard of King David? Yeah? Okay. After this time... Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. Jerusalem was in Judah. Israel was led by a series of wicked 
kings who just led God's people deeper, deeper into sin and disobedience. And as a result, the northern kingdom ended up being conquered and taken into captivity by Assyria. That was in 722 B.C. Judah, the southern kingdom, remained intact. But over time, evil kings that led them defiled the temple, turned the people away from worshiping God. In 605 BC, the Babylonians defeated the Assyrians to become the new world power. They quickly moved into the area of Judah and started deporting all of the Jewish people to Babylon. And in 586, they finally uh, burned down Jerusalem. They burned down the temple. They knocked down the wall, burned down the gates. Um, Just Jerusalem fell then. It was gone. They tore down the city. Seventy years later, the Persian Empire defeats the Babylonian Empire, and King Cyrus now sat as king. And he said, any of the Jewish people who've been in captivity that want to return home to Jerusalem may go. So this first wave of exiles returned to Jerusalem. They rebuilt the temple. But 70 years after the temple was rebuilt, the walls of the city were still in ruins and the gates were still burned down. That brings us to the time of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a Jewish man who lived in Susa, the capital of Persia, and he served as cupbearer to the king of Persia. So we learned from our text this morning that Nehemiah's brother returned to Susa from a trip to Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah asked him, how, how are the Jews that are living in Jerusalem? How is it going with them? And the report was terrible. He said, they're, they're in great trouble. They're in terrible shame. The, the walls are still broken down. The gates are still burned down. Now, what's the big deal about that? Why was that so terrible? Well, it meant that while the temple was rebuilt, day in and day out, God's people in Jerusalem were reminded of their painful past as they lived among the rubble of that city's destruction. They had this visible picture every day, this reminder of what had happened to them, and they just walked around it. Every day. Can you imagine if after the tornado that hit in 13 that knocked down Westminster, if we had not been able to clean that up, if we were not able to rebuild after that, if we didn't replant new trees over at the university, if the alumni house was still torn down, how would that make us feel if we had to look at that every day? And that wasn't even a result of anything that we had done. But God's people were sitting there going, you know what, we... We're, we're responsible here. We stepped out in disobedience, and, and they're looking at it every day, right? So that was one reason. That was one reason. But it also meant that they were left vulnerable. They were weak. Their enemies could come in and attack them at any time. So they were depressed, and they were not safe. And so when Nehemiah heard this news, it broke his heart And he was filled with this deep compassion for them. He mourned for days. And he took every ounce of that to God in prayer. Now his prayer is found in chapter 1. And it's verses 4 through 11. And it's this beautiful prayer where Nehemiah acknowledges 
the ways that they had sinned against God. He acknowledges that that God was just in his discipline. He was just in his discipline. But he also reminds God of his promise to be faithful, to return them to their home, to restore to them their beauty, their joy, and their status as God's chosen people. Nehemiah repents of his sins in this prayer. He repents of his family's sins. And look, he repents of the sins of everybody. From generations back to his day, he asks for forgiveness for himself, forgiveness for his family, and forgiveness for the whole nation. And then we see that Nehemiah is not going to be content with sitting around and waiting for somebody else to act and help the Jews that were in Jerusalem. He asked God to give him favor with a very important man. What was Nehemiah's job again? Do you remember? Cupbearer to whom? The king. Nehemiah had direct access to the king of Persia. And so when the opportunity arose... Nehemiah told the king what was going on. The king provided Nehemiah with everything he needed. Everything, safe passage, access to the timber, guards, money. I mean, everything he needed. And Nehemiah headed to Judah. Now, earlier I said that Nehemiah may have been an unlikely candidate for such a task to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You know, maybe if his job was like general of all the armies of Persia, or if he was the head of all the large construction projects for the kingdom of Persia, uh, we might think, you know, he is the right person for the job. You know, they need somebody with skill in, in leading armies so they can fend off attackers and they can get that job done. Or, you know, they need someone who really knows how to get a big construction job done and get it done fast. You know, that's exactly the person for the shop. But instead, what do they get? They get a cup bearer, right? They get a guy who's had a cushy job in a cushy palace, who's been wearing cushy clothes, a guy who's been told what to do, not a guy who has been telling others what to do. But when you look Deeper than external things. See, like he may have originally, on first glance, maybe he looks unlikely. But Mulan looked unlikely, right? In everybody else's eyes, like you're a woman. You know, get married and have some babies. Like, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? Right? So while he may have seen unlikely, when we look deeper than external things, you see that Nehemiah had everything he needed to be a great leader. He had character. He had integrity. He had a willingness to listen to God, to follow God, to be faithful to God. And bottom line, listen to this, Nehemiah made himself available to God for his use. He allowed his heart to be formed by God so that his heart broke for the things God's heart broke over, that his loves were in line with what God loved, 
that his desire to see people comforted and healed and helped were in line with God's desires for the same thing. So Nehemiah may not have been a warrior, but he definitely had a warrior's heart. And look, as it turns out, Nehemiah was an incredible leader. He not only got that wall built in how many days? Who knows? Read Nehemiah, folks. It's a good story. We're talking about good stories. 52 days. Moved the rubble, rebuilt the wall. He not only got that wall built and rebuilt in 52 days, which is stunning, but he was able to encourage and rally a group of people who were depressed, worn out, beaten down, discouraged. So not only did they rebuild that wall in 52 days, they did it in the midst of taunts and mocking and attacks by their enemies. Listen, this is Nehemiah chapter 4, 11 through 14. This is Nehemiah. He's the one narrating the story. And when, this is his voice. And our enemies said, they will not know or see anything before we come upon them and kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived near them came, they said to us 10 times from all the places where they live, they will come up against us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in, in open places, I stationed the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. After I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your kin, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Listen, Nehemiah asked them in the face of this chaos, in the face of this threat that was coming at them, this, this enemy that seeked to stop them from being successful, he asked them to remember who their God is, to remember the one who was able to fight for them. And then... He asked them to connect with what they were passionate about. Remember who your God is. Remember he's the one who's able. But you know what? Remember what you're passionate about and get out there and you protect the people you love. Take care of who you love. You see, that's exactly what Nehemiah had done. He started with who God was, and he trusted him. He believed his promises. He believed he was able. And then Nehemiah connected with that passion. He connected with who he loved. He connected with what he was passionate about, and then he acted on it. He's not asking them to do anything that he hadn't done already. And every time it got tough... And look, it got tough a lot during this project. This wasn't an easy, cushy palace job. Their enemies were relentless. But every time it got tough, Nehemiah went back to what he knew about God. He consulted God. He trusted God. And he believed that God would guide them 
on their next steps. And I really want you to hear this. When it got hard, Nehemiah didn't start thinking that maybe he had made the wrong decision to step up and lead. He didn't come into this thinking that nothing difficult should happen to him because he was trusting God. He came into it knowing that because it was a calling bigger than he was, because it would be a challenge, riddled with attacks and difficulties, he would need more than ever to rely on the strength and wisdom of God. That's a huge difference in perspective. I wonder, have you ever felt this kind of calling, this kind of, of passion? I mean, sure, the, the circumstances and the details um, are different. The level of need may not be as great as what Nehemiah faced, but have you ever seen a need or become aware of someone else's pain or struggle or notice something that was lacking in the world that would build and benefit God's kingdom and felt a stirring deep within you, deep in your heart, sensed the nudge from the Holy Spirit to do something or to start something or create something or build or rebuild something. You know, God calls all of us to that. He's calling all of us, not special people, not better than you people or whatever categories you've established that knock yourself out of the running for making an impact in the world. God calls all people to follow him and join him in his redemptive healing work in the world. But even though God calls us all, you know, we can miss it. We can be deaf to it. That's possible. So what we want to do as God's people is learn how do we tune our ears? How do we kind of align our hearts so that when the Spirit is speaking and when He's calling, we will hear and we will respond. The first thing is lean in. Lean in just like Nehemiah did. Lean into God. Make yourself available to God for his use. Tune your ears to his voice by spending regular time with him. Nehemiah didn't start his prayer habit when he heard about the need. He had that established long before. That was his practice. So he was tuned in and aligned so that when the need presented itself and when the Holy Spirit stirred, man, he was on go. He started praying and interceding for people specifically. Develop that practice of connecting with God, getting to know him, getting to know who you are in his eyes. And we need that too. Seek his heart. Ask him to reveal his heart to you. Ask to see what he sees, the way he sees it. Listen, God delights to reveal himself to us. He delights in that. Ask him to do it. You know, this is where all good, godly, effective leadership begins. You know, someone might be able to lead others, but what they lead them toward will be different 
based on their starting point, based on what's motivating them. If your motivations begin with yourself and end with yourself or your personal gain, whose kingdom are you going to be building? Where will you be taking people? But if your motivations begin and end with God and his purposes, if you stay connected with him and continue listening to him and getting your guidance from him like Nehemiah did, you will be a good, godly, effective leader who will make a difference in the lives of the people around you and you will lead others toward Christ. Second thing, step up. So lean in and step up. When you sense that nudge, say yes. When, when, when God says, who will go? Answer like Isaiah did. Here am I, send me. Now listen, you don't have to answer somebody else's call. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to look at somebody else and go, oh, well, he's doing that. Maybe I'm supposed to be doing that, and I feel bad because I'm not. I don't look at Bruce and say, I'm supposed to do everything Bruce is doing. Bruce has his own call. I have my own call. That's the one I'm responsible to respond to, the way the Spirit nudges me. So will you say, here I am, send me, when you sense the Spirit nudging you. You know, maybe the call is, is to spend time with someone near you who's lonely. Look, guys, we don't have to be rebuilding the walls of a worn-torn city to be making an impact in the world. Maybe you know someone who needs a friend, and you've been thinking about them. There's your nudge. Go be a friend. Go spend time. Maybe it's to give more generously. Maybe your call is, is to use a skill that you possess to help someone who has a need, and and you're going to do it free of charge. You know they can't afford that. Ask yourself, where do I sense God stirring? You know, where do I feel that like, oh, someone should do something about that? You know, where when you see an injustice, you're like, oh, that breaks my heart. Ask yourself those things. What breaks your heart? What needs do I see? What skills do I have that would enable me to meet that need? And go and do it. No call is, is small in God's kingdom. You matter. Your, your gifts matter. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. And sometimes what we're called to do is, is just riddled with, with challenges. Don't think that just because something is hard, it means you've made a mistake. Difficulty doesn't mean you are wrong. It just means your calling is bigger than you. And so let that difficulty be the reminder you need to keep leaning into God. Uh, There's a verse from a song uh, called Into Faith I Go by Pat Barrett. It says this, nobody said it would be easy. Anyone who did never went through anything painful. But faith is not some fragile thing that shatters when we walk through something hard. So we walk on whatever may come. Number three, remember that you are part of something bigger than yourself. Nehemiah was a part of something much bigger than rebuilding a wall. You know, rebuilding the wall was just a means by which God would work to repair the hearts of his people. You know, once they were safe, once that immediate stress 
and fear was reduced, once they felt seen and heard and cared for, they were able then to start doing a deeper work. They were able to see the disrepair that existed, not just around them, but within them. And Nehemiah was able to lead them in rebuilding their obedience, in rebuilding their practice of worship, in in their commitment to God. You know, guys, listen, this is why it is so important that we feed our children at Woodley and we feed our friends at the field house because you can't even think if you're hungry. You, You can't think about deeper things going on when your stomach's growling and you hurt and you're worried about where you're gonna get food. So what we do is we go out and we meet the practical needs of people and that opens up space around them to be able to like hear that God loves them and to receive the work of the Spirit in their lives and things like that, right? We go out and that's what Jesus did. He was healing people left and right. He was meeting practical needs all the time. And then, see, they were able to get from him what they really needed. So I hope that that you've been encouraged this morning to think a little more deeply about kind of what you're about and what you're doing, um, what your motivations are, maybe how you see yourself. I just leave us with this. We are the body of Christ. And God has not called us together to sit and wait for somebody else to do something. We have been called into battle, so to speak. We have been called to get our resources together. We have been called to put our feet to the ground and go out into the world and speak hope and meet needs and lift people up and do the right thing in the world. Anybody can do the wrong thing at any time. It's hard to do the right thing. Speak up in the grace and the love and the power of Christ Be his voice in the world, champion for the weak people, champion for the broken, in love and grace, relying on God through all of us, and you will change the world. We will change the world, and the impact will be much further than what we can see even in our lifetimes, guys. It isn't about whether I can see it. It's knowing that where the Spirit works in me and through me, there's exponential impact exponential impact. And you've been a part of building the kingdom of God. Last quote. I was writing this sermon. A friend of mine who writes a daily devotional sends this little text out to me with her devotional. And this was the last quote on the end of it. And I was like, going in the sermon. So here it is by anonymous. That anonymous says a lot of, say a lot of wise stuff. That anonymous. In this very moment, You hold the power to change someone else's life for the better. Go do it. Simple. Not easy. But go do it. Have the heart of a warrior and go do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your calling. Thank you, Lord, uh, that that you call even us who are unlikely. Lord, we we are... We are the unlikely people. Lord, you could build your kingdom all by yourself. 
But God, that is not what you thought was best. You've called us to partner with you. You want us with you. Thank you, God, for putting the stirrings in our hearts uh, that you have. Thank you, God, that that you equip us and, and lead us forward, God, so that we, as your body, your hands and feet in this world, can go and make a difference in the lives of the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.